Hi, welcome back to our study of Song of Songs. In this study, we're going to finish chapter 2, verse 8 through verse 17, which I've entitled Following God. In the last study, we've come up to the point where she's waiting. She's, she's longing for the Messiah to show up, but he hasn't come yet. She's following using the Old Testament and, and, and looking for the, the appearing. And now in the last half of this chapter, that's what we see. Listen, my beloved, behold, he is coming, climbing on the mountains, leaping on the hills. In the time, excuse me, in the time of Christ, people, even Satan, were watching for the Messiah because of the preaching of John. In, in John chapter 1, verse 25, they asked John the Baptist, who did? The high priest who came down from Jerusalem and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? That's who everybody's looking for. The, the time is very exciting. I mean, after Jesus got baptized, Satan was right there and off, off they went to be challenged for 40 days and 40 nights. So the people are excited. They're, they're looking and they're waiting. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he's standing behind our wall, looking through the windows, peering through the lattice. What is that wall that she's talking about here? The Lord's hand is not so short it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull it cannot hear. But your inequities have made a separation between you, you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so he does not hear. It's your wall of sin. That's what he's standing behind. And I like this. He's standing behind the wall. He's looking through the windows, peering through the lattice. And what are we doing? We're just sitting, right? We're not chasing after him. He's come to us. He's come to offer us salvation. We're not going out to him. Revelation chapter 3, 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in to him. We will dine with him and he with me. Are you listening for Jesus to be knocking at your door? He's present. I need to be listening and willing to get up and open the, the door to let him into my life. Here's the invitation. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. Chapter 4, verse 19 of Matthew. It's just like Jesus saying to the fishermen, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone wishes to come after you, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. That invitation to follow isn't just for those fishermen. It's for all of us to learn to follow. Follow his teachings and put them into practice. Behold, the winter is past, the rain is, and the rain is over and gone. The winter and the rain, 400 years of silence. From the last prophet who wrote, Malachi, probably about 430 B.C., they don't hear from God until they get that suspicion when Zacharias comes out of the temple and he can't speak when he was told that he was going to have a son. The rain is over, which means the spring is here. It's what we've been waiting for. It's what she's been longing for. Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The winter's passed. The rain's gone. Here is the spring. The flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for pruning the vine, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in the land. Ah, love this text. Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 5. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. All the country of Judea was going out to him, all the people of Jerusalem. 
and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. This so These two verses fit so perfectly. The flowers have appeared in the land. That's all the country of Judea, all the people of, of Jerusalem. They're coming to listen to a message. The time has arrived for pruning. They were confessing their sins and getting baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. By who? The turtle dove. Who's the turtle dove? John the Baptist is the turtle dove. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 reads, But if his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering from the turtle doves or from the young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and offer it up, on smoke, uh, offer it up in smoke on the altar. The priest shall take off his head. Mark 6, 24. Herodias' daughter went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Ah, oh, how those two come together so, so beautifully. John's been preaching, people have been listening, everybody's getting their sins forgiven, they're looking forward to the Messiah coming. The, tree, the fig tree has ripened its figs, the vines in blossom have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, or arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come along. Jesus is going through it, all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness among the people. Everything is just going wonderful right here and now. O oh, my dove, in the cleft of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your form, let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet, your form is lovely. Okay, don't get off track here. What you need to see is he's not calling her to join him in the clefts of the rock in the steep pathway. He's calling her to come from the clefts of the rock in the steep pathway. The question you need to ask is, what are we hiding from? What is that fear that keeps me from following after Christ? Jesus says, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim from, from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable, unable to kill the soul. Fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. She's hiding and he's saying, come out, come out from the cleft of the rock. I don't want you in hiding anymore. Let me see your face. Your face is lovely. It is not your form. Uh, Numeric standard, again, messes up with their translation. Let me see your form. It's your face. It's your appearance. Your face is lovely. No, your face is becoming. It's kind of like Genesis 4, 7. God saying to Cain, If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Some people you can see live in a world of darkness just by the way they walk down the street and they hold their head and, and look away from you or look towards you, you know? Let me see your face. If you're a Christian, you should have pride because you are a child of God. You got to get rid of those worries. You got to get rid of those sinful behaviors. Let me see your face. The world needs to see there are positive people out there so they can ask you for the hope that is in you. Get your countenance up. We're going to get out of this place soon and we're going to someplace better. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet. No, your voice is pleasing. We are the voice of God. The world needs to hear the word of God and we're the ones that take it to them. 
First Peter 4.11, whoever speaks to do, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. The world needs to be taught about God. That's why he's saying, let me hear your voice because it is pleasing. Read the last verse of this incredible book and it's referring back again to let me hear your voice because I want you to talk to the world. Now, verse 15 is really interesting, the chorus, because you don't think any of this fits, but it, it all fits absolutely perfectly because he's calling her to come and he's asking her to, when you follow me, this is what I expect for you to do. And the chorus is, is, is chiming in here by saying, catch us the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. The foxes, when they're running in the vineyards, knock off the flowers. That's what ruins the crop. You won't get a good crop if they're in blossom because that's the fruit if you start knocking off the flowers. What is it that I have to do? What is it that she has to do? It's my distractions. I've got to get rid of my distractions because distractions can cause a brother or sister to stumble. I think I can do these things and I probably can, but if, if I'm always telling jokes, if I'm always making weird references, in Bible class, you, you can see somebody's always getting us off topic. Or when you're, sit, you're standing around and somebody's making a very spiritual point, and then all of a sudden somebody has to crack a joke, has to make us laugh. Those are the distractions. And the chorus is saying those distractions are ruining us. They're making us stumble. 1 Corinthians 15.34, he's putting it across really heavy. Because he says, become sober-minded as you ought. You better start thinking about your spiritual calling. Stop sinning. And you may not think it's a sin, and it may not sound like a sin, but if it causes a brother to stumble, it's a sin. So stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. Some people are really struggling to, to understand who God is. And here you are cracking off jokes. Here you are making stupid remarks. Yeah. Some people have no knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame because you need to understand your behaviors in, in the public. Your behaviors amongst brethren affect the brethren. You better become sober-minded as you ought. So I, I want you to quit hiding yourself in the cleft of the rock. I, I, I want to see your face. I want to have that attitude that people need to see. They need to hear you telling uh, them the word of God, not talking about sports and the weather all the time. What is it that encourages you? What is the holy kiss that you're sharing with other people? And get rid of the jokes. Get rid of the foolishness. Take this thing seriously. She comes back and says, my beloved is mine and I am his. He pastures his flock among the lilies. Feeds us when we gather. You need to remember the lilies are the, flower, uh, the followers of Christ. Because he said to her in, in chapter 2, verse 2, like a lily among the thorns, so is my darling among the maidens. We are those lilies. You need to come together as a group. Whether it's two or three together, there Jesus says, there I am with them also. Or whether it's us collectively, he's with us. And that's where he feeds us when we come together to study the word of God. You can't do this on your own. You've got to be with us. And she responds, she says to him, until the cool of the day, when the shadows flee away. This is a really interesting statement here. It's not just something out there. 
until the cool of the day. What are the shadows? The shadows are the teachings of the Old Testament. They will flee away when the Christ comes. For the law, since it has only a shadow, it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of the things. The law is a shadow of what Christ is going to bring. And when he does bring it, he gets rid of it. Broke down the barriers of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So the shadow slinging away is our having to follow after uh, the Levitical law in the Old Testament. Until the cool of the day. Well, I believe that's referring to the day of Pentecost. Because in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. So stay in Jerusalem. And then on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets the keys to the kingdom. After he does his first sermon, and in Acts 2.38, repent. Let each of you be baptized, be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the cool of the day, because now my sins are forgiven. I'm no longer stuck in that scorching sun that's, that's, that's burning me. But now I'm under the Son of Christ, and I'm getting my sins forgiven, and the shadows are gone, and I'm set free from the law, and now I'm under the royal law of Jesus Christ. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of Bether. She's encouraging him to continue on preaching until that day does show up. Keep on preaching the truth. What are the mountains of Bether? Well, Bether means cutting. It means division. And that's what Jesus' ministry was all about. In Matthew 10, 34, Do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, a mother against her, uh, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I came to bring the division, right? And that's what the truth does. Because Jesus came to bring us the truth. Lots of people will listen to the truth. Lots of people will reject it. There's that division. And she's saying to him, keep on doing that job on the mountains of division. We need to hear the truth so that we ourselves can make that decision and see which way love goes in our lives. And that's how she finishes chapter 2. Until the cool of the day, until the day of Pentecost, when the shadows flee away, turn and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of division. Thank you for watching and listening to chapter 2. Look forward to chapter 3.